Hey, I am glad that you are here. If you don't know who I am, my name is Marty. I'm one of the pastors here at Reveal. So glad that you came to be with us. If you're a guest, uh, hopefully you received a Connect card. Uh, fill this out. Drop it off at the awning on your way out. We got a little gift for you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind doing that, we'd greatly appreciate it. And then inside of your bulletin, make sure you take a look at uh, what's going on. Next week, right up here on the screen, Super Bowl of Preaching. It's one of the biggest services we do every year. We take everything you love about football and we wrap it into a service of preaching with color commentators, head-to-head preaching duels, and of course, commercials are included. And we went bigger and better this year, so I'm hoping that you'll be here. And make sure you invite someone to attend. It's a great first step into the church and a lot of laughter, a lot of good time, and you're still going to hear a great message as we're kicking off a new series next week. I hope you will be a part of that going on next week. If you are online and viewing the service next week, be aware that because of some copyright issues, not all of the elements will be available online. But uh, if you can't join us live, join us on live. You'll still catch most of the commercials and it'll be a good time. Hey, if you don't know, we are uh, streaming live right now, so welcome to our online community, which means we need volunteers to help do this. Right now, John Paul is in the back. He's put all this stuff together, and he's really getting tired. If you just look, his face looks old. He's like, what, 33? He looks like he's 80 already. So if you're interested in that and you have any tech ability, if you would fill that out inside of your uh, bulletin, we're going to need some camera operators. They are remote. We're going to have one on a gimbal here as well, so a, a free-roaming camera operator, some people operating some of the switching equipment, stuff like that. So if you have any tech ability, please sign up. It's a great way to use your gifts and abilities here at the church. And then we also sent out year-end giving statements last week, so thank you for supporting uh, who we are and what we're doing here in our community and also in New Delhi, India with the school that we have. If you did not already receive your giving statements, it's probably because we do not have an email for you, so if that is the case, email me at marty at revealvineyard.com, marty at revealvineyard.com, and I will get it into your hands one way or another, so... All right. Hey, again, as I said, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I know that there are a lot of places that you can be right now, a lot of things that you can be investing in, but few of them that hold the potential of what we are doing here this morning. And so if you are new or if you are new-ish with us, welcome. You'll hear me say it often that we are better together. Life is better together. We're all searching for a place to belong, and I want you to feel and know that you belong here. So we're on our final week of our series called Atomic Habits, where tiny changes uh, can have remarkable results. And that's kind of what we have been exploring. The big thought that has pushed us forward in this series has been called the accumulation of marginal gains. The idea is that over time, small changes accumulate into big transformation. Why is that the case? We'll put it on the screen. Because life change doesn't happen when we do something big occasionally. It happens when we do something small consistently, right? It's the accumulation of marginal gains. Hitting the gym one time a month, even if you're there for three hours, is not as good as hitting the gym for 10 minutes every day in the month. Right? On their own, these small changes may not amount to much, but when they accumulate, when they're combined, it does have the ability, the power to change the trajectory of your life. Now, if you've missed any of the message, strongly encourage you to catch up. You can circle back through our podcast available on iTunes or on our website. You can catch all 
four of the previous messages. Last week, we looked at what we've called a habit loop, which is how all habits are formed. We said that there is a cue, that there is a trigger, a cue or a trigger. There is this idea of a craving. There is a response, and then there is a reward. Any habit that you have established went through these four steps. There is always a trigger, always a cue always leads you to crave something, and what you're craving is the reward. Then there is a response, and then you get the reward. Everything revolves around the reward. The cue is about noticing the reward that you desire. Craving is about wanting, desiring that reward, and the response is about obtaining the reward. So to start a new habit, you need to start with a new cue. And how did we say we do that? We said, well, make that cue obvious. If any habit, good or bad, starts with a cue, then make that cue obvious. And we talked about manipulating your environment to bring in obvious visual cues because small changes in what you see will affect what you do, make it obvious. What did we say? We said if you want to read your Bible, don't leave it on the shelf, put it on your pillow at night. Make that cue obvious. If you want to eat healthy, put fruit on the counter instead of cookies. Make it an obvious visual cue. You want to learn the guitar, put it in the middle of your room. Put the gym bag by the door or in your front seat. Put something on your wrist. Post something at work. Make it a visual cue and make it obvious. Number two, what do we do next? We said that we will make it easy. And Why does this matter? Well, because the frequency with which you perform a new behavior is more important than the length of time you perform it, right? The frequency that you do it, because you're trying to get your brain into a pattern, the frequency that you do it is more important than the length of time that you do it for, right? So going to the gym four days a week, even if it's for 10 minutes, is better than going to the gym once a week for two and a half hours, because one is setting a pattern in the brain. For this reason, the author of Atomic Habits, James Clear, says that we should start with a habit so easy that we cannot say no. If you're going to start something new, start with something so easy you cannot say no. And then he has this two-minute rule. He says that if you're going to start a new habit, if you're going to try to establish something healthy, the two-minute rule means that whatever you're going to start should not take longer than two minutes to accomplish. Why? Because you're trying to set the brain into a pattern. He says, make it so easy that it's almost laughable, right? If you want to set a new exercise habit, don't start with 20 push-ups a day. Start with two. Almost so easy that it's laughable because it's hard to say no to two push-ups. Like, it's two push-ups. Come on, I can do that, right? We said that if, if, if you want to read Scripture, if you've not had any luck setting a, a habit of reading the Bible, don't start with an hour a day. Start with one verse a day. So easy, it almost seems laughable, right? It's hard to say no. If you're saying no to one verse, you have other issues, right? Set the Bible on your pillow, open it up, one verse, because once that habit is established, eventually you're going to think, you know, I, I, I can read two verses. I'm already here. I can read five verses. I'm already, right? You're going to set that pattern and that habit. In other words, get in your reps. It turns out that Starting good habits is not about the quality, it's about the quantity of your repetitions. Put your reps in. And then we ended last week talking about keystone habits. A keystone habit is a small change or a habit that unintentionally carries over 
into every other aspect of life because all habits are not created equally, right? Some habits have a effect that it leaks into other areas of life. We talked about eating dinner together as a family. Studies show that children who have dinner on a regular basis as a family have uh, better homework skills, higher emotional control, more confidence, and there's better family dynamics. Why? Because eating dinner together, they've proven, is a keystone habit that affects other areas of the family. Exercise is a keystone habit. Why? Because it leads to eating better, sleeping better, typically more energy, and being more productive. It's a keystone habit that bleeds into other areas. And then last week, I gave you the challenge to establish the one keystone habit that can change the trajectory of your life. And we said it is Bible reading. And I know that sounds trite, but then we talked about a study that was done of over 400,000 Christ followers over an extreme length of period. The Center of Bible Engagement performed the study, and they showed that people who engage in Bible reading four times a week, now that's important, three times a week did not have the same effect. Two times a week did not have the same effect, but those that engaged in Bible reading four times a week were 30% less lonely, 32% less destructive thoughts or anxiety, were 228% more likely to share their faith, had 62% less alcohol abuse, 59% less porn use, 49, 45% less severe gambling issues. The idea is that scripture reading is a keystone habit that will bleed into other areas of your life. Why does that happen? Well, because eventually God's thoughts become your thoughts and his heart becomes your heart. His ways become your ways. All right, today we're wrapping up the entire series on the topic that some of you have been waiting for. We're going to talk about how do we break destructive habits? How do we break those things that are, that are not good for us? Because if we're honest with ourselves, we all have at least one bad habit, Right? We all have at, at least one bad habit. And some of you, if you're honest, you have a really nasty habit. Right? It's, it's one of those habits, and I'm not sure why you would allow this in your life, but it's probably, quite possibly, one of the most disgusting habits anyone can have. Owning a cat. All right? that is, that's where we draw the line, right? All right, start with this. Let's start with this. Here's a question. In light of who you want to become, what is one habit you need to break? In light of the person that you want to be, in light of the person that you want to become in 2021, what is the one habit that you need to break free from? Maybe it's online shopping, maybe it's smoking, maybe it's late night eating binges or Netflix or social media habits or pornography or gossip or procrastination or habits that are leading you to poor health. What is the one thing, in light of who you want to be, what is the one thing you need to break this year? Now, before you start to feel too defeated, understand that you are in good company the guy who wrote a third of the New Testament said this about himself in Romans seven fifteen. He says, I do not really understand myself, for I, do, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And some of you are thinking, yeah, yeah, that's me. Who knew the Bible knew me? Right? That, that's exactly what, what, what I'm feeling. I do the very thing that I hate. And then scripture enlightens us as to why it's so easy to do the very thing that we hate. Two verses later, verse 17, it is sin living in me that does it. See, it comes back to our sin problem. See, this is my issue. It's, it's my sin that causes me to drift towards whatever gives me an immediate high. 
Whatever makes me feel good at the moment, man, my flesh is all into that. Week one, we talked about how change happens, and we had this little chart that we put up. We said there's results, reward on the one side, time is on the bottom, and what we want to see is when we engage in a new activity, a new habit, we want to see progress up and to the right. We want to see an immediate payout, right? If I go to the gym the next day, I want people saying, are your biceps bigger? Because, right, we want an immediate payout. We want it to be instant, up and to the right. But what we typically see is something that looks more like this, right? This, this is what it is. It's this slow movement where not, there seems to be no results, there seems to be no reward, right? Unless you stick with it. You have to put in your reps and then the payout comes much later when things begin to move towards results or move towards that reward. And then we said that the space in between what you want to see and what you actually see is the valley of despair. This is why we quit. Because I dieted for two days and the scale doesn't show anything. It's the valley of despair, right? It's why you read the Bible three days this week and you went to work and you still wanted to choke out your boss. It's the valley of despair, right? We, we all, we've all been there. This is why it's so difficult to establish new habits because the payout is delayed. Establishing a bad habit is exactly the opposite. See, when you establish a bad habit, go to that next slide, the reward is instant. There's instant gratification in a bad habit, right? Sin is fun. You can't admit that, no? No? You're too holy for me? I'll tell you. Sin is fun. If you don't think sin is fun, either you're lying or you're doing it wrong, okay? It's why we're pulled into it. Sin, whatever it is, whatever's bad for us, it may not even be sin, but if you've had a rough day, the moment Ben and Jerry's hits your lips, immediate gratification. It was instant, right? This is why forming bad habits is so easy because there's no waiting, right? The moment you click it, immediate response. And it's the sin in me that leads me, that causes me to lean into this instant gratification. Here's the thing, though. It gets worse. There's not only an instant reward, there appears to be no consequences. And so we think because no one found out, I must be okay. Right? I clicked it. It felt good. Immediate reward. And no one knows. I ate it. Tasted good. The next day, scale doesn't show any difference. I smoked it. No health issues. Listen carefully. Good habits will have a delayed reward. Bad habits have a delayed consequence. And we get lulled into thinking that my bad habits won't have any effect. It's not that we're getting away with it. It's just that the consequences haven't caught up with this yet. Right? There's always a delayed consequence. You can take it to the bank. There's no other way around it. Scripture says this in Galatians 6, 7, hey, don't be misled. Don't deceive yourself. Remember the worst part of being deceived is that you're deceived, right? We don't know when we're deceived. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. In other words, listen, this is so key. This is so key. There is always a downward spiral that will occur from those bad habits. I mean, look at that graph. We spare no expense here at Reveal. Whoever did that, what was it? Did a second grader do this? Is this what we've come to? Something like you have your kid do it? All right. There is, an, there is always a downward spiral 
when it comes to a bad habit, right? Now listen, when forming a good habit, the valley of despair is on the front end, right? Whatever it is, you did it three times and there's no change, and so you're like, this isn't working. When it comes to establishing bad habits, the valley of despair is on the back end. But you will go through the valley of despair, right? Regret, frustration, embarrassment, the realization that it cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. You didn't see it on the front end because it was an instant reward, felt good, and the consequences follow us later. I mean, think about it. We typically do not ruin our lives one step at a time. There may be that one step or that one moment that sends us over the edge, but there was hundreds of steps that led us to the edge, right? And, and, and once we go over that edge, understand something, that season of your life, that season of my life is going to be summarized with one sentence. But we know that there's actually more to the story. But others especially will summarize it with one sentence. Sarah started flirting with a guy at work, cheated on her husband, and they got a divorce. That's the summary of that season. But in reality, there were hundreds of steps that led you there. You know that there's more to the story. Jim was stealing from the company, and the company couldn't trust it, so they fired him. But it wasn't one bad step. It was many small steps that led him to the edge. Look at Samson's one-sentence summary in Scripture. Here's one sentence that summarizes a series of bad decisions that started with one step. Judges 16.1. One day, Samuel went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with the prostitute. One sentence summarizing the beginning of a downward trajectory. Now, a couple things I want you to notice. First, I want you to notice where he's going. He's going into Gaza, which was the headquarters of his enemy, the Philistines. And then he's also going to Gaza, which is 25 miles away from his hometown. This was before Uber, so the way most people got around was by walking. So he's walking 25 miles, roughly 25,000, eight or 52,800 steps into the enemy territory. Who walks into the enemy's camp and puts their life in jeopardy just for a little action? Who would do that? We do that. (laughs) Right? We all do that. That's the chapters of our lives that we'd rather forget, but we all do it. Listen, 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 listen. Sammy didn't ruin his life with one step, right? It was 52,800 steps in the wrong direction that led him to a downward spiral that he never quite recovered from. See, I submit that most of us, we don't, we don't ruin our lives with one step. We ruin our lives with 52,000 plus steps that lead us in a direction that we thought we could contain until eventually containment was lost. So I want us to be really practical today. I want us to look at how can we uh, leverage uh, uh, opportunities to break destructive habits in our lives. Let's, Let's look at it. Remember the habit loop first, how to form a new habit. There needs to be a cue, there needs to be a trigger, right? Uh, the opposite is going to be true as well. If we're going to, if we want to break a bad habit, we need to make the true, uh, the cue or the trigger invisible, right? And so we're going to have to make it invisible. We have to remove the cue or the trigger 
as much as possible. Go to that next slide. Yep, make it invisible. In other words, don't convince yourself that you can overcome this just through sheer willpower. Because we've already proven, me, you, we've already proven, it doesn't work. All right? Willpower has been proven. It's kind of like a muscle. It gets fatigued. And so willpower alone isn't going to work. We have to remove the cue. Now, Jesus spoke about visual cues that lead to sin. Matthew 6, it says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is healthy, meaning there's healthy visual cues that you're taking in, then your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, unhealthy visual cues, then your body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. In other words, what you take in will affect you. Matthew 5, Jesus uses hyperbole to kind of drive home this point. Matthew 5, 29, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to go, uh, better for you to lose one part of your body than, than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now listen, Jesus is using hyperbole. It's an exaggeration. I don't want anyone coming in with eye patches next week. All right? But he is driving home the point. He's like, look, Whatever the cue is that is leading you to sin or whatever the cue is that is leading you to the bad habit, he's like, pluck it out. Get rid of it. Get rid of the cue. I love how Pastor Craig Rochelle says it. He said, why resist temptation tomorrow when you have the power to remove it today? What what, what was he talking about? Look, remove the cue. Right? If, if, if sugar's the problem, they get candy off of the counter. That's the cue. If alcohol is an issue, then you need to stay out of the bars. That's the cue. Right? If it's rejection and self-esteem, stop following people on social media that are constantly feeding into that. That's your cue. If it's gossip, limit the amount of time with those friends. If it's images on your phone, then, then lose the smartphone and go with a dumb phone. It's the cue. Right? Make the cue invisible. Leverage it to your favor. In other words, again, why resist temptation tomorrow when you have the power to remove the cue today? Now, if you don't know what your cue is, you don't know what your trigger is, then here's some questions that will help you to start to identify that. Like, uh, uh, practice self-awareness. When did the habit occur? When did the action occur? How many times a day do you do it? Uh, When or where are you when you do it? Who are you with when you do it? What occurred just before you do it? These are ideas that we can start to, to give you an idea of what your cue is. Now, studies show that there are five major cues. There are five major triggers. We'll put it on the screen. We need to be aware of these. Triggers can be a place, can be a time. A cue can be a mood. It can be a moment. And a cue can be people. All right, now let's, let's break these down. Let's break these down. Let's talk about place and time. I'm guessing when it comes to that bad habit, that thing you do, there is a specific time and a place that you do what you do, right? Look, if clicking is a problem, I'm guessing you're not clicking on those images when you're at your in-law's house, right? Because that's just not your place. I'm guessing that you're not eating pizza and donuts when you're at the gym, unless you belong to Planet Fitness, where they literally feed you pizza and donuts, right? That's, that's their thing. And some of you, you know. And some of you are like, they really do that? They really do that. I don't go there anymore. They kicked me out. I ate too much. Now, place and time. Practice awareness. When and where does the cue occur? And then begin to ask yourself, how can I remove 
that cue? How can I leverage it in my favor? Place and time. Now, scripture tells us about uh, a guy named David who uh, became king. Uh, and David had this uh, chapter of life where he fell into adultery. And that entire season of his life can be summarized with four words. Wrong place, wrong time. It's not that David was a bad guy. He actually was described as someone who had a passion after God's own heart. He sincerely loved God, but he found himself at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mixed in among his chapters of honor and integrity is this couple chapters of adultery and even murder. Look at 2 Samuel 11. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, what happened? David sent Joab in his place. Right? Where should David have been? He should have been with his troops, but instead he stayed home. He was in the wrong place, the wrong time. And what happened? When he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he saw what he didn't need to see, which led him to do what he didn't need to do, and it cost him more than he was ever willing to pay. Right? Went up on the roof, and he saw Bathsheba bathing in the moonlight, and there's the cue, one thing after another. Wrong place, wrong Time. But it's not just place and time. We also have this, this thing of moods. So we already know this about ourselves, or hopefully you know this about yourself. Certain moods lead you to be more vulnerable. What are some of those moods? Well, here's one. Hungry. Have you ever gone shopping when you're hungry, like starving? Not a good idea. Right? You know that if you're hungry, you are more susceptible to certain cues. What about when you're angry? Right? It serves as a trigger for things that you may later regret. When you're lonely and when you're bored, recognize it and anticipate it. Right? If your cue happens whenever you're lonely, then you need to anticipate, right? I'm lonely. Or when I'm bored. If, if your problem happens before your spouse gets home, then you may need to redo your schedule so you're getting home at the same time. Right? If you're lonely or if you're bored, be aware of that. And here's one. When you're tired... When you're exhausted, we are all more susceptible because we have less strength. Now, here's the problem. When you become exhausted, not just like tired, but burning the candle at both ends, long periods of time and you're exhausted, here's what will start to happen. You will inevitably begin to think, I deserve this. And this is really common, unfortunately, in, in ministry and I know a lot of pastors who have fallen into this problem because we constantly give, we constantly give, we constantly give. Eventually, it's easy to start to think, I deserve it. Whatever's going to make me feel good, right? Because we fall into this trap of thinking that being fueled is the same as being fed. Understand that Sundays is kind of the pinnacle of the week. Sundays fuel me, but they don't feed me. What I mean by fuels me, it's a short burn. Tomorrow, I will literally crash. All right? Super Bowl of preaching, creative stuff. It's what I did back before we started this church. It fuels me, but it does not fill me. Understand the difference in your life between what fuels you and what fills you. Meaning if you're only living off of a fuel that's a short burn, you are slowly going down. And we have to understand that we have to be filled, not just fueled. Filled last, right? There's some longevity to it. When we're tired, any time that we begin to think, I deserve this, it should become a red flag. And then another, another one is moments. 
It's moments are when something happens that triggers you to do that thing that you do. Maybe it's a fight with your spouse, a fight with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's a bad day at work. It's a night out with the girls. It's a night out with the guys, right? It's a moment that, 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 that pushes you towards that activity. I want you to understand what your cue is. And then the last cue is, uh, or the last um, uh, cue is people. As much as we hate to hear it, right? Proverbs says it correctly. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Mama didn't know where it was at, but mama had the basic idea, right? There are times that you only do what you do when you're with a certain who, which means you need to remove the cue, Right? There are people that lead us into habits that we typically would not do unless we are around them. study that was done at the end of the Vietnam War showed that upwards of 20% of the soldiers coming back uh, were addicted to heroin, which is an extremely addictive drug. And so they did some studies to follow up on them, and what they learned that within one year's time, only 10% were still addicted to heroin. After three years only 12% had a relapse. What did they determine? They determined that what happened was they changed their environment and they changed their community. Right? Who you're around matters. Right? Who you're with matters. Every study has shown that. 1 Corinthians 15 says, do not be disled. Do not deceive yourself. Bad company corrupts good character. All right, so how do we overcome a habit? First, we recognize the cue. We're going to make it invisible. And then second, we're going to make the response difficult. All right, we want to make the response difficult. If we can make the cue invisible, right, it's going to take care of the craving. But then we, we need to we make, the, make the response difficult to do. Because sometimes success is less about making a good habit easy and more about making a bad habit difficult. Cue, response, reward, right? Make the response difficult. If, if the problem is overspending... Maybe you put a limit on your Visa card. Uh, if you're addicted to the snooze button, maybe the alarm goes in the bathroom. Uh, if it's images on your phone, lock it down. On your phone, there is an adult. If you have an Android or iPhone, there is an adult content button. You can set it, give the password to someone else, so that thing's locked down, right? By the way, if you are a married couple, my opinion is that you should not have a password on your phone or your computer that your spouse does not know, right? Just, you need to be open. I got nothing to hide, so, you know, you got, you got my password, right? And so, uh, lock that down. If your computer in your home office is causing a problem and it's easy because no one's around, we'll make that response difficult. Get that computer out in a public space in the house. What does that look like for you? You may have to delete certain apps. You may not, you may not be able to take your phone with you into the bathroom, now, if all this seems extreme to you, like, yeah, that's stupid, then just at least be honest with yourself that you're not all that interested in dealing with your habit. It feels good to say I'm going to conquer it, but if you're not willing to get extreme about it, or as Jesus says, pluck it out, then just be honest. I'm not that interested. It brings me some kind of comfort or some kind of joy. Let me have the band come up as we get ready to close here. Ask yourself again, what one bad habit do I need to overcome in 2021? Week two, we talked about the idea of whoing before doing. 
right? It's who you become will eventually affect what you do. Focus on who first. As we close out, let me just give you the X factor to all of this. The one thing you have to have if you're going to become a new who. Romans 7, 19, this is where we started. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Then he gives the answer in verse 25. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, look, I, I don't, if, if, if you're a Christ follower, I don't want you trying to go through this on your own. I want you to invite Jesus into that space, right, that he would give you the strength that you need to be able to pull out of that. Jesus gives us this promise in 2 Corinthians where he says that my grace is all you need for my power is best in your weakness, right? There is an element that when you are weak, his strength is made perfect in us. This is what Jesus does, right? We've been talking about 2 Corinthians 5 a lot. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Hey, maybe the old you needs to be introduced to the new you. Maybe the old you needs to say, old me, introduced to the new me. This is who's winning. Maybe the old you needs to be introduced to the new you. Ezekiel 36, God says this, that I will give you a new heart, I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stormy, stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. So maybe we've become a little hard-hearted and callous towards those bad habits. Maybe we think that because we've gotten away with it long enough that there's no consequences, there will always be a downward spiral. Do not be misled. You will always reap what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. Look, let's not allow our lives or a season of our lives to be summarized with one sentence that highlights us going over the edge. And if that's not going to be us, then we have to be aware of what direction we are currently walking. Samson walked 58,200 steps in the wrong direction, but that was also 58,200 steps that he had the opportunity to turn around and go the other way. And so I just want us to take a moment as we clear out, we close out this series, that we would have some moment where you can do some personal time of reflection, some time of prayer. Maybe it's some time of repentance. Maybe it's time of just listening to the Holy Spirit, receiving some hope, new instructions. As we do this, I leave that question with you based upon who you want to be. What is the one thing that you need to break? Lord, we ask that you would speak and minister to us right now. Wherever we find ourselves, whatever life looks like right now, we're praying for your spirit to be upon us. Holy Spirit, if uh, some of us, if something needs to be made aware, if something needs, uh, if a light needs to be, uh, to shine upon us, then we ask you to do that. Search us, explore every part of our lives. Let your strength be made perfect in us. as we set out to break some bad things, some bad habits.